The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning, good morning. Well, I have to start out today on a bit of a somber note by uh, pausing to remember those who were lost in that horrific warehouse fire in Oakland last week. This tragedy hit very close to my home, and my condolences to the families and friends of those who perished. It was, uh, it's been a, a rough week. So, you know, I always have to give you all a heads up on upcoming trainings and conferences for PIs. Uh, So there's two that are coming uh, up in January. The National Association of Legal Investigators is having their annual um, midwinter conference in San Diego, January 26th through the 28th. If you're interested, go to www.nallyonline, I can't even talk, N-A-L-I-Online, O-N-L-I-N-E.org for details. And the week-long training for criminal defense specialists is January 23rd to the 27th in San Jose, California. And that information can be found at the California Association of Licensed Investigators site, www.cali-pi.org. Well, I'm so enthusiastic about introducing my guest today, Diane Bassett. And Diane is a writer from Longview, Washington, and you may think she's an odd guest to have on PIs Declassified, so let's find out why (laughs) Diane is an important guest. (laughs) Hi, Diane. I have to agree with you. I am an odd guest. (laughs) (laughs) So, Diane, you're... uh, you're an author, which we'll come back to because that has to do with the show today. But you're also a criminal justice and uh, psych and social studies graduate. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I and couldn't decide which one, so I just went for all of the ones that interested <laughs> me. Well, there you go. And then how did you get in? You're a court-appointed special advocate. How did you get involved in that? Um, that was an opportunity that came up for an internship at the end of my college term, and I absolutely loved the program. I loved working with children in the system and felt I could do some good there. Sounds, uh, and and this, explain that a little bit, because some people may not know what that means. A court-appointed special advocate is a program that's run for, um, you know, if, if parents are in the system, Someone has to speak up for the children. So in in um, family court, you might have the parents standing on one side with the attorneys, and you may have the 
the social workers on the other side, the CASA worker stands in the middle and is the voice for the child on what the child needs and what the child needs to have happen. So it was yeah. a really great way of working directly with children, and uh, uh-huh. I absolutely loved it. How long did you do it? I did that for two years, and then I moved it to doing the truancy board and working with older children who just didn't want to go to school. (laughs) And what is the truancy board? Uh, The truancy board is something that Washington State runs, and if if a child misses too much school, they um, are picked up and processed through the juvenile detention center and uh, put in with the truancy board, and they meet with us once a month, and we determine what they need to be successful in school, get them hooked up with credit recovery programs, um, you know, anything that we can do to support the kids getting them through graduation. That sounds like a very cool program. Uh, it really it, it's a wonderful program. And I had, in fact, taken my daughter, Sam, to observe what could happen when children go off track. So... A little blindsided by the fact that she wound up on the other side of the table. <laughs> okay, which is the subject of our show today. You, yeah. um, you wrote a book that I tuned in to called 17 Hours Tracking Down Our Runaway. And it's your first person account of what happened with you and your husband and your daughter. Yeah. So this is... Um, uh, probably a little bit emotional for you to talk about, but um, I appreciate you doing that. And so let's go back. Um, you adopted, your daughter's name is Samantha. Yes. And you, you call her Sam. We call her Sam. She is my second husband's granddaughter. And we took her in um, off and on from birth on, but we took her in full time when she was one and finally adopted her in 2014 on Valentine's Day. Wow. Wow. And so we she, are mom and dad. You are mom grandma. and dad. You, you've, had, you've had her since one, one year old. Yeah. Um, so you had a lot of struggles through those years of trying to adopt her. What happened with that? Um, Well, like many grandparents raising their grandchildren, you have biological parents, and they have visitation needs and their own issues, and so Mm -hmm. um, she just had a lot of challenges growing up. Um, She had a man show up when she was two who claimed to be her father, and so I said, go get a DNA test and prove it, and he did, and he was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was. it's just been this long string. I think in 16 years, we had a total of 15 appearances in court for her. Just people wanting more visitation time, uh, black eyes, bruised bottoms, um, two cases of juvenile PTSD. She had just been run through the ringer um, pretty much her entire childhood. There really wasn't a year where we got a good break from any of it. It was constant school problems and counselors. And I, I've so, known every school guard, every counselor and principal by name and sight, which is, you know, I, I think last year was my very first year of having zero trouble. I almost didn't know what to do with myself. 
<laughs> really. So Sam is now 17. She is 17. And, she turns 18 next month. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, so it's you been a long, said... It's been a long journey. It sounds like. So you said bruises. Now, you know who she was abused by? Yes. Yes, that is why her biological father had so many appearances in court for us to eliminate his ability to visit with her because he couldn't seem to keep his anger under control and his issues. And so, uh, yeah, he, he that wound up being another court case, and we shut him down on visitation until he could get some counseling. He chose not to. And in 2014, he was facing more jail time for his incredibly huge child support bill that had been ignored for over a decade. And he contacted me and said, if you will adopt her, I will sign off if you make my bill go away. So I did. Wow. Wow. And did he, did he ever apply for custody? What happened with that? Uh, he would try sometimes over the years, but there was always problems with drug use and job instability, uh, moving. It, it was it was never a point in time when he was a good option for her to go live, and she didn't really know him until he popped in at the age of two. Mm-hmm. So. She was never really wanting to go live with him and his family. And, and so, no, and he, he didn't actually pursue having her. He would just stand around and whine about the fact he didn't. So when right. we adopted her, the agreement was he would go away until she was 18. If they wanted to have a relationship after she was 18, have at it and visit with her every day. But until she was 18, I was to have no more interaction with him whatsoever, which is it wound up in the book that he was actually playing a part in what happened to her. And that it just, you want to talk in anger scale of 1 to 10 going off the charts to find out he was back and played a part in it just sent me over the roof on what I could handle for anger with this man. And where is he now, Diane? Is he is he out? He's living, is he not No, he's living down in Portland, Oregon. He's I'm I have no doubt that he's back in her life in some way. He manages to sneak in like a worm you can't get rid of. You turning eighteen must give you a lot of trepidation, I suspect. Uh, since that's going to happen very soon, and you're concerned about his her relationship with him. I do, but I think that she's, you know, like Sam said, if, if anybody wants to judge me on who I was when the book was written, that is their problem. She has become a lot stronger in her own mm. self um, and her own self-worth. And so my hope is that she can now view these things a little more logically. Mm-hmm. and make those choices for her own future. For sure. Now, what happened with her mom? Where's her mom at? Um, her mom is around. Her mom has always been around for all the court cases. Um, none of them ever stemmed from the mom. Mom has done everything she could to support Sam 
and and be there for her in whatever way. We had a really open door policy with the with mom because it's you know that's my stepdaughter. So you run that strange mm-hmm. dynamic when you raise a grandchild of of taking care of your child's needs to have their child and the grandchild's need to be cared for. It is a fine line, very fine line to walk without hurting anyone. So we kept a very open door with mom. Mom has her life together and is doing very well. Um, Yeah, it's going very well with the mother. That is so complicated. I can't can't even imagine. Uh, Yeah, that's very complicated. So, okay, so let's talk about what happened with Sam. You... (laughs) Lead me off with this, uh, Diane, because uh, Sam ran away. She jumped out of your secondary window, and tell yeah, us and completely blindsided me with it. Um, I had no idea it was coming. There was there to Help. me. There was no lead up. We had had an argument, but it was nothing that was out of the ordinary for us. It was just you know. Uh, uh, she had taken more out of the ATM that morning than she had been permitted to. She lied about it. We got into an argument over it, and she went to bed. And I went off to my room to go do my game, and uh, there was a commotion on the steps. And my husband came running in saying she just leapt out of her window. Second story window, no, no landing spot. I mean, I honestly, I couldn't believe she jumped out of that window. That's why I put her in that room. I figured, you know, she couldn't sneak out at night because there was no way out. But um, teenagers always tend to prove you wrong when you think you've got them blocked. And how old was she, Diane? She was um, 16. She was 16. 16. And And how did it... uh, how did it happen that your husband knew? Well, as it came out later, he had gone up to her room to tell her good night, and she was fully dressed and had three suitcases and a runaway letter. But we had really poor communication in our family, and he didn't tell me that that's what was upstairs. And so he talked to her, and she said, you know, I'm really tired, Dad, and he could hear a buzzing going off, and he thought that was weird because she wasn't supposed to have a phone. Um, it had been removed, and uh, he said, well, I think I hear a phone, and she said, oh, I'm just tired. I'm just, you know, I just need to go to bed, Dad. I'll, I'll, you know, it's all good. So he, he, he took her word for it. He sat on the stairs because he thought she might try to sneak out, and uh, she just decided to leap out the window because she could no longer go through the stairs. And he still hadn't told me anything. I didn't know there was a runaway letter or suitcases until after she left, and I went into her room to find out what was going on. So poor communication never helps. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, and and every family probably is guilty of that one. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, so So your husband's sitting on the stairs. How did he know she jumped out the window? Uh, he could hear her. It was very, oh, very yeah. loud. I mean, I heard the commotion. Uh, he went running up the stairs. He saw her at the bottom of the window, 
and she had her ripstick and her skateboard with her, and she just said, I have to go, Dad, and she took off into the dark. And uh, wow. we began a mass scramble because our first thought was, you know, she's just misbehaving. She just wants to go out for the night. Um, we didn't take it as anything more than just a misbehaving teenager. It, it was hours later. Um, and, you know, first tip for anybody, turn your notifications on because mine were off. And had my notifications for messaging been on, I would have received the message from the father. Um, it was a father of one of her friends. His daughter was a runaway. He was tracking her phone messages, and he saw the messages regarding Samantha. And so he had contacted me to fill me in on my daughter's secret life, and I actually didn't receive those notifications until early, early morning hours. I was, you know, I was deep into compiling all the information out of her room I could and didn't think about that notification button. Okay, so let's back up a second. So, um, was this a friend of Samantha's that uh, was was runaway? The where the yeah. father contacted had, you? She had a, that was, I did not know the girl was a runaway. That that came out later when her father was telling me that his daughter had been out there for months and he was just tracking her on her phone and you know he knew where she was at all times. And I, I have to make a note about that parents who think you can track a phone and find your child. Sam informed me that many, many children have two phones, and so they will say, I'm going to the library. You drop your phone that your parents are tracking into a Ziploc baggie, dump it in the toilet tank, grab your real phone, and head out with your friends. And parents can track you all day, and it will say your good child is sitting in the library. No, they're not. (laughs) No, they're not. Oh, my they're goodness. They're okay, gone. so in the toilet. Yeah. All right. So he was tracking, and had had he just sent you that information? He and randomly you just popped up and, and just said, call me. I have information on Sam. It's very urgent. And so by the time we got that notification and called him, we did not show this man the respect we should have when he first started talking to us because, in our opinion, I was homeschooling Sam. She was in bed when I went to bed, and she was there when we got up. So mm-hmm. someone who pops up and starts telling you that your daughter has a secret nightlife, you know, at first you're thinking, who are you? You, know, you, mm-hmm. you don't know our family. Our child's in bed. But the more he talked, the more things began to say, uh uh-oh, you know, he's Mm -hmm. he's got a lot of information we probably should be listening to, and it turned out he did. Wow. So you just kind of pushed it aside, thinking that he Mm -hmm. just absolutely didn't know what he was talking about. I, uh, Gary and I were writing notes to each other while he was talking, like, you know, LOL, who is this guy, you know, he's completely, this guy's insane, you know, he's telling us our daughter has a street name and that she goes out every night and parties. And we're like, no, she doesn't. This is our good little girl. She's in bed when we go to sleep. You're insane. And then uh-huh. the more he talked, it was like, oh, oh. The, the, the details huh. were a little too exact on when she was leaving and when she was coming back. And we thought, oh, 
he, this guy's got some, he's got some truth that we need to hear. And that's what he informed. And that's because he was reading the text between his daughter and Sam. Yes. So he was getting all this information back and forth. And Sam had told her girlfriend that that night that she ran away, she was going to be deep breath in, tried out, and sold to two men. Oh, my goodness. Hang and on to that, that is- thought. Let's come back. to we, Let's take a break, Diana. Let's come back okay. to that. Okay. We'll be right back, folks, with Diane Bassett. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Talking with uh, Diane Bassett, who wrote 17 Hours, tracking down our runaway, her first-person account of her daughter jumping out of the second-story window and running off to be with a sex trafficker. So, Diane, you just said that – now, tell, tell us what this message said again from – or what this guy said again about um, that your daughter was going to go be sold – Yep, that was her message to her friend was that she was going to be tried out by two men and sold to them later that night. And that's when we realized that this wasn't a misbehaving teen who just wanted to go play for the night, that our daughter had actually gotten recruited and sucked into sex trafficking. Amazing. So, Considering we lived in a town of what, two, 3,000 people, and it had a two-block-long downtown area, and the, uh-huh. park, they, the park they recruited her out of literally was next door to the police station. Really? And so, so small-town America next to a cop station, and they can still get to them. So tell me what Sam's told you about how this evolved. Uh, it evolved. You, you take a you take a nineteen eighteen year old good looking guy, 
and you stick him in a park, and he watches for the girl who's crying to her girlfriend about her parents and their rules or boo-hooing or sitting quietly and sadly alone, and they just, they find them. And they come sit next, and they talk to them like they are just an interested guy. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if I was 15 and I was in a Uh park and a good-looking 19-year-old started talking to me, I'd listen. Uh I mean, I don't know Uh many 15-year-old girls that are going to turn and walk. And so uh, they talk. They offer a tote because you're cold here. Let me, you know, take my sweatshirt. I'll collect it tomorrow. Hey, I've got a little jewelry I bought for my sister. She doesn't want it. Would you like it? Oh, I've got some makeup. But it's gifts and it's little things as they're grooming them. And Mm -hmm. then at some point, the child is told that they owe an incredible amount of money for all these things. And uh, if they can't pay it, well, they're just going to go and attack their parents. So, you know, they had walked her home. They knew where she lived. We lived a block and a half from the park. They knew where her house was, and they groomed her well. And it was, you know, here, have a phone. Your parents took your phone. I'll have a phone. This way we can call you. We can get a hold of you if we need to. Um, And Uh so she was into them for a lot of gifts and goodies by the time they came to collect. And uh, she couldn't pay had she become sexually active with one of these people? Yes. Yes, she had. And um, when this, when the initiation started, I was, I was back east helping my son's wife get uh, transferred from the military to their new living spot, and they took advantage of that week I was gone, and they came into our house, and she was raped. Um, and I actually... She was raped in your house? She was raped in our house. I had gotten a bad grade report from the homeschool place on her, and I called her to nag about her grade, and I interrupted the act, and the guy took off. She never told me. I just didn't come out until she was into post-counseling, but that's how they initiated her. They were stopping by the house and tying used condoms to our doorknobs so that she would understand that she was property. And uh, she was desperately taking these things down and hiding them from us because she didn't want us to know what had happened and what she was now being sucked into. And uh, so, yes, they, they initiated her. And... When her and I had the argument, I said I was going to call her probation officer and let him decide what he wanted to do with her, and it was over 20 bucks. But what she heard was she was going to be locked away for 20 years, and she knew that these people would show up and possibly hurt us, and everything would come out. So she ran. And and why did she have a probation officer, Diane? No. (laughs) Sam had a probation officer because Sam had gotten into some trouble at school. She had been given some marijuana brownies and told she could share them at school. And so Mm -hmm. she did. And she shared some brownies. And I got a call from the school to come up. The police were there. I walked in. 
I walked in and I forced the police officer to do a test on the brownies on the spot because otherwise I was there for a report of sharing chocolate brownies, which not a crime. And uh, lo and behold, they did test positive. And so she was on probation for that. Uh, then there were some stolen pills from her grandfather who was dying of cancer. It, it was it was a long, long year of uh, courts and probation officers and appointments for Sam because she had made a string of bad choices. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was at the tail end of cleaning it all up when this happened. And, uh, you know, once again, surprise, surprise, no and how long did this grooming process go on? Um, like maybe two months, three months. It, it was not really? long. Yeah, it, it, it did not take them long to groom her. And so was she, she was sneaking out of the house every night? Is that what was going on? Yep. Yeah, and again, I didn't pick up on the clues. I, I You know, I, was, I described in the book that I... I was outside with her one day, and I dropped a shovel off the deck, and, you know, it was a, it's a tall deck, and she swung like a monkey on the railing, and she got down, got the shovel, and was backed up in, like, two minutes, and mm. I was so impressed with her skill, it didn't click in my head, why does she have this skill? <laughs> <laughs> why can my child swing around this deck like a monkey? And that didn't hit me until after she ran and we started putting it, you know, the back door that I kept finding unlocked. I I thought that Gary was going out to, you know, look at the view or something before bed. And I'd get up to get water and the back door was unlocked and I'd lock it and go to bed. So Uh I asked asked them, I said, so on those nights I was locking it, how are you getting back in the house? And then she proceeded to tell us the hundred different ways you could get in and out of our house. Oh, wow. Totally no clue. None. Okay, so did... Completely blindsided by the fact this kid could get in and out of this house without me knowing. Right. So did she ever tell you about the first night she went out and how that transpired? No. No, she she just said that... She she did tell me that um, if I had turned my head six inches to the left one night I would have seen her but she said I she was getting ready to sneak out and she was dressed to go out and my bedroom door opened and she crouched down by the chair and she said she watched me as I came out to get a drink of water and uh, she watched me at the sink take my drink and go back to bed she said mom if you had turned your head six inches it all would have been exposed right there because huh. she was crouched down in her party clothes. And it, I, six inches, you know, that, that the missed opportunities to intervene have just been so, so numerous that uh, I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't pick up on more of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly with your background, too, that must, be, must have really felt extremely humbling when you realized what was going on right under your oh, nose. Absolutely. You can go through all the training and education in the world, but uh, it, it is very humbling to realize that it went on underneath your nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> so this is going on right next to the police department. 
after mm-hmm. Sam disappeared, did you get the police involved? Uh, got the police involved when she ran. Um, uh-huh. Called them up, and they came over and uh, and definitely got them got them involved at that point. Um, didn't I mean after this? By the time this all went down, we had her in uh, Vancouver Park County juvenile detention center and I began to work with that police department and not so much the one from the small town we lived in. Mm-hmm. I see. Now I'm assuming they didn't stay in the park. She must have been, they must have been going other places, correct? Uh, yeah, there's this, the, the, the town that we lived in was a whole bunch of parks and a whole bunch of walking trails and places for kids to go and no activities for them to do beyond hanging out and partying. Mm-hmm. And we moved her there because we thought it would be, you know, like a Norman Rockwell small town. <laughs> Think you're yeah. doing the right thing for the child. We'll move her to a small town. The influences will be better. Moved her to a small town, and it didn't go so well for us. You know, that is so interesting because that is the general uh, the general idea. But having grown up in a small town... <laughs> you need to look for things to do, and that's the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There, it was just an endless string of kids kind of sitting on benches, like you know, like they're ninety years old. There was nothing for them to do, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess in my mind, I thought maybe my daughter would sit with craft books and learn to sew. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So. All right, so your husband came in and told you that Sam had just jumped out the window. What happened next? Uh, he hit the road because that's what he needed to do. And I tore apart her room. I did what I called a search and compile. I knew that the answers to everything had to be in her space. So mm-hmm. I went into her room and I proceeded to tear that thing apart from ceiling to floor, every zipper, every book page got turned. You'd be amazed at the amount of passcodes that these kids hide in books. Uh, And the more innocent looking the book, the more goodies you'll find inside of it. I mean, you, you can pull out one of their typical fiction vampire books, nothing in that one, but I could pull out a book on you know, virtues, and boy, there was all kinds of passcodes and names that come falling out of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was open every zipper, every backpack, clothes that looked like they were too small, um, and she had folded up on the shelf, which was my key because she doesn't fold anything. So why were these old clothes folded? So I checked their pockets, found more names, mm-hmm. found more numbers. And so I just started a compilation of a list of all the names, all the numbers, all the codes, tasks, anything I could find and started my list. And and then it was a checking process. So while Gary's out driving neighborhoods and checking in, I'm going through all of these lists and looking at these names to see if any of them are school friends, are they friends from her soccer years, um, and I narrowed it down to what I called the unknowns, and they were simply mm-hmm. no names, just some numbers, 
and they appeared way too often on things to just be a wrong number or a sales call. And so by compiling all the names, I then hit um, Facebook and social media. And, you know, teenagers are not that great at their privacy, and they tend to mm-hmm. post everything, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to her friend's Facebook pages, and I began looking at their pictures. And I compared the backgrounds, you know, did they have a pool or a noticeable roof line or anything that I could pick up on a map. And uh, by doing so, I was able to come up with, I think it was like four unknown, and then did a reverse phone number search to find their approximate location, and then used the social media pictures to figure out and determine where their houses were so mm-hmm. that we had an area to go look for Sam. Um, and out of those, so there was, we had actually located the pimp by doing that. And we found really? his house. Yeah, we found his house. We drove down there with, oh, you know, your typical parental thoughts of how you're going to torture this person and then, you know, make their life miserable, and boy, we're going to go after this guy. And we we parked across the street, and we watched as a normal-looking teenage boy walked out of his house, kissed his mom goodbye, and got in his car and drove off. And it was such a wake-up call that you can't tell. I could have been this. So he's a kid that lives in he he lives in your same community. Yeah. This isn't somebody that's. Transporter from the outside that's coming in to recruit teenagers. Uh-huh. Amazing. I, I, I could have lived next to this kid, and I wouldn't have been able to tell. He, he looked like a normal teenage boy walking out and kissing his mom goodbye. Mom didn't look like she had any clue what her kid's doing in the background of his life. And it was very, very humbling. And, it you know, we, we went home. We didn't, we did not confront him. We did, you know, this is, that, that to us is, that's a police matter. We've, they've got all the information, but we knew when the police came over, we already had our list of possible names. And I told Gary, I was going to read the names off to the police officer. And my point was, I wanted to watch their reactions to see if any name in particular got a reaction. And the minute I hit on this guy's name, both of the police officers looked at each other and said, oh, him again. And I thought, there we go. That's, mm. that's, you know, you can you can pick up on a lot of stuff just by people's reaction to the name. And they said, oh, yeah, they were well aware of this guy. He was high on the radar for the county. So mm. uh, they've got, they, they took that information. We did not pursue going after him personally. Okay. All right. Let's come back again after a quick break, Diane. We'll be okay. right back. This is fascinating. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. said about her runaway daughter, Samantha. Um, Diane, what about her, the friends that you knew? What did um, what did they the have to say? That, the, you know, I found it kind of amusing when she took off. All of her friends wanted her found. None of her friends wanted each other to know they were helping, and they didn't want her to know they had helped. So it was almost this amusing string of emails from teenagers. Hey, I hear Sam's out there, and here's what I know, and here's the text that she's texting me, but don't tell her I told you. You know, <laughs> They don't want their friend out on the street. So the teenagers right. turned out to be the best source of finding her because you can work them quite easily. That and they knew horrible. what was going on? Did they know? They, they knew that she had been having this side life, and a number of them contacted me and said that they'd been trying for months to get her to stop because she was putting herself at such risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you met with the police, you gave them your list, then what, it, what was the next thing that happened? Well, the police told us to settle in. It was going to take probably months. And, you know, uh-huh. when your child's being sold, that word months doesn't, it just doesn't fit. And uh-huh. so um, they headed off with their information that, you know, I don't really think they were going to do too much with it. Um, Gary was still on the road, and I got an email from one of her girlfriends, and she said, Samantha just texted me, so I knew the girl was having current conversations with Sam, which, you know, the first is you're relieved that your child is still alive. She's uh-huh. out there somewhere. Um, uh-huh. And this, this girl contacted me and said that she had been a runaway, and she didn't want to see Sam go down that path and that she was willing to help me um, set her up for capture. And I worked that girl girl as hard as I could to keep her communicating with me and communicating with Sam and uh, 
literally she had Sam, her and her mom, picked Sam up less than 60 seconds after they had turned Sam out. So they, they turned her out at the mall for her to start doing some business. I don't know what happened with the two men. I just know that she got turned out, and less than a minute later, we had this girl and her mom swinging up to pick her up. She had no idea we were in communication with the girl. She had no idea she was being set up. Um, But, you know, you got to do what you got to do when you get get your kid back. And if that means you're going to manipulate a teenager to use, you got to do it. And that's what are we you had. still in? Are you are you still in contact with that girl? No. no, no, I'm not. She's part of Sam's past, and Sam left a lot of her past behind that that last summer. So, so, um, she, so Sam she stopped having communication with a lot of her people from her past, including this girl. Okay, so Sam was let off in a mall, and she was what to troll the mall to find a target. How did um, that work? Yeah. Yeah. Right there at Vancouver Mall. Yeah. So, so by that, was, at that point... She, she was turned out, but it just didn't work. I, I don't... I would assume the people were there. By that time, we already had Gary circling the mall looking for this girl and her mom and Sam. So we had tracked her down through text and social media. We knew that she was in the mall area had Gary on the ground driving literally around the mall just waiting and uh, had this girl and her mom over at the mall so that the minute Sam said that she was, you know, out and she was on the corner, we had this girl and her mother pulling up and putting her in the car. Okay, and was this still the testing process or had she already been sold? um, That has never come out. And if, you know... uh, Sam has a lot of years of therapy to, I think, come to terms with a lot of what's happened because if you ask Sam, you know, I asked her, how much of what we were told during these 17 hours is factual? And she says, well, not much. But the email reports, the emails, the text, the counselor reports, the rehab reports, the juvenile detention, everything points to yeah, there was a lot more that happened. She's just not at that point of coping with those things yet. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the being sold, I that's a big question mark, which I think is probably why it was so easy for me to forgive and move past these people because I never, she won't, to this day, she won't name names. Really? She said that she wouldn't name names because she knew I'd go after the people and ruin them. <laughs> well, she's Honestly, probably right. She's completely <laughs> on target with that one, so I really couldn't argue that. But I was like, yeah, yeah I was gonna, yeah. <laughs> but she, I, but know, she was, she was on board with you writing the book, and she she participated in the book. Yes, she did. She, you know, when I talked to her about doing this, she said that she is not who she was back then. And that is people want to judge her by who she was. That is their hassle and their issue. She is a different person now. So she had final approval of everything for this book. Um, And, in fact, she included her notes. So when I'm in searching her room, she included her notes that she was up the street. She saw me in her room. 
she knew what I was doing because she's always referred to me as a Judge Judy for a mom. She knew uh. I'd be in her room searching. So she was up the street at the library in their, in their door opening, and she was online changing all of her passcodes and things as quickly as I was finding them. She was up the street watching me. So she put her notes in the book, you know, Amazing. like where, you know, when her dad was driving looking for her, couldn't find her, she, she put her notes in there. Yeah, I could see him coming blocks away. I duck behind a bush. He passes. I go back to what I'm doing. So it was, it was a wonderful collaboration to have her put her notes in there wow. and, and include them. I, I admire her greatly. You know, I personally would not want my mother writing this book. And the fact that she mm-hmm. was good with it says a lot about her strength of character. Mm-hmm. And the kid that the house that you tracked down, she's never identified him either. No, she didn't need to. I already had his name from um, friends text. His name came up from her girlfriend as being someone that they had warned her about. But he had approached other people at the park, and not all of her friends fell for it. And so mm-hmm. uh, I wish they had come to me sooner, but, you know, teenagers don't always do that. And did anything happen to him? Uh, at last I heard, he was just so far up the radar that, that I, I don't know if they've ever picked him up. We, okay. we grabbed them, put her in rehab and lock up for the summer. And then we moved. We moved her out of the area. Okay. All right. So that she so could Diane, have that fresh start. Yeah. So, Diane, let's talk about, because uh, we've got about uh, probably nine minutes left or so. Let's talk about um, what you recommend, if somebody's in the same situation, what you would recommend doing. Uh, first, 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 get help. If, if I, I, and I can't stress that enough. We did this on our own, and it would have been so much easier if I had had help. Someone who was running the social media page, someone who's running the phone, someone who's working with the police. We were just so split trying to handle all of this. So get help and then search. Search their area. They no longer have a right to privacy. If they wanted privacy, they would have stayed in the house. So the minute mm-hmm. they leap out the window or go out the door, it's, it's open. There's no more privacy. It's search and compile. You have to open everything and look in everything if you want to get the full picture of what your child's been doing, who they've been interacting with, and what they've been doing. And then it is track and check. Track those names. And, uh, check those yeah. numbers. And just out of curiosity, did you ever consider hiring a private investigator? Um, I did. It's just that when this was going down and we got word that she was being sold, we were in such a panic that we yeah. didn't take the time to do that. And, and you know, right. that's why I put on the back of the book, don't wait till you need it to read it. If I had read yeah. this before, it would have helped me a lot. But I hadn't written it yet, so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you said gather all the information, gather, go through gather everything it, in their track room. It okay. down, narrow down where you're looking. You know, um, kids take a lot of selfies and they don't notice what's in the background. Block out the person and start looking at what's behind them, so you can track down these neighborhoods. 
a reverse phone That's number really will good. only give you a, like a two-block radius of where that number is registered to. Pull up a Google map, and then you start looking at social media pictures, and you can narrow down where these people live. It, it's actually almost easy um, and scary at how easy it is. And, and That's a good tip. Just, uh, and the social media... Except everybody, except every friend request that comes down, even if they're weirdos, you can read them out later. But if you take, if you, the more leads you take in, the more people who will share the post, the more word gets out there. And you just can't underestimate the number of messages that will come in. And by taking just a minute with each message to connect with that person, you never know which of those messages is the person who's going to unlock finding that person for you. And had I not taken that time with her friend, I wouldn't have realized that her friend wound up being key to getting her back. Uh So definitely take them all in and then have your end game prepared because you're going to bring the kid back. Then what? You're just going to stay here, stay put. They're going to go right back out that door again. So for us, we got lucky. She had a probation officer, and we called her in on a warrant because terms of her probation were that I knew where she was at all times. When she ran away, I did not. Therefore, she was Mm -hmm. in violation, and I was able to call it in um, and get a warrant for her arrest. I needed to get her off the street, and I needed to get her locked away safely. And then... After that, we rolled it into getting her into the rehab. Um, she needed to be cleaned up before we could figure out what happened. Uh-huh. So it, it is uh-huh. it is a absolute necessity to go through everything. There is no more privacy. You have to unzip every zipper. You have to look at things that don't make sense. Um, like I kept finding broken ends of disposable razors. It made no sense to me why I found this whole pile of broken razor thing. She was using them with straws for the drugs. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I find them and I'm thinking, why are you breaking all of your disposable razors? This makes no sense. And I'm chucking them all. And, it, you know, then later you go, wait a minute. Based mm. on the drug use that I'm being told, okay, now these straw, these are now making sense. So things that are making sense, pull them aside and just look at them. See if they fit mm-hmm. in somewhere with the whole picture. It's a puzzle. It is a puzzle. It is a puzzle. Now, you said, you told me offline, uh, Diane, that Samantha ran away again after your book was published. She did. Um, uh, I can't really say she ran away. She just opted to go live elsewhere with uh, her okay. boyfriend. Uh, we did not approve of him. Because of his age, he was far too old for her. Um, He was 31, and uh, he was living with his mother, and they took her in. And we had to just simply wait for that one to run its course, and she came back. And, you know, I told her, I'm just not going to keep tracking you down. Um, You have to want these things for yourself. And she has finally hit that point. She's back in the house. She's finishing up her senior year. And uh, she wants these things for herself now. So it works a lot better than us trying to shove this down her throat. You know, you've got to go to school. Right. You've got to get good grades. You know, it, it was only when we turned it over to her that it began to work right. 
you have been through an amazing journey journey for sure. So folks, give give the name of your book, Diana. Tell people where they can purchase this book. The book is called 17 Hours Tracking Down Our Runaway. It's available through Amazon. It's available through Outskirts Press. Um, and it's available through all major booksellers, Barnes & Noble, Powell's. Okay. And, and you have in your book a, a list of quick tips for parents who find themselves in the same situation. And actually for private investigators as well, I might mention. <laughs> so Yeah, it is, um, it is sort of that answer that first question of what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? So, Diane, thank you so much. We're at the end of our hour, but thank you so much. This has been so valuable. I think uh, many people will benefit from what you have to say. And uh, thank well, you for thank being on the so show. Much. Well, thank you for having me, Francie. I'm open to talking about this anytime. Okay, and for the rest of you, tune in again next week as we declassify more stories from real investigators, even ones who aren't private investigators, uh, like <laughs> Diane Bassett. It's TI's Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to PI's Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 